Welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hey everybody, welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Matt Sky, and I'm here with Rich Pasqua. Rich, how you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome everyone. And uh, today we are kind of just doing a, a bit of a rundown on what we're seeing in the space in terms of mass adoption. We're just seeing a lot of interesting little inklings of Web3 growing. And I think maybe we're just going to kind of talk about some of that, go kind of high level, give, a, give you guys a bit of an update on what we're thinking about these, these different movements. And, and maybe let's start, Rich. Uh, let's start with Disney. This was something that uh, I thought was pretty interesting. It was covered by... Uh, a lot of outlets. It's pretty rare that a job posting gets uh, headlines, but Disney is hiring a legal NFT team right now. And so that's getting headlines. A lot of people are speculating what this could look like, what a Disney NFT loyalty program could look like. Um, we heard some news in July about a bunch of different partners working with them. Uh, how significant do you think that is when Disney gets into this space? To me, that's a sign that this is really taking hold, that Web3 is becoming something that you can't just say this is a speculative thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, what I would start by saying is, you know, I, I spent many years working with Nickelodeon um, and obviously keeping a close eye on, on, on Disney uh, as it relates to characters uh, and especially interactive uh, experiences. And, you know, both, both brands really did a great job of, pulling you into immersive experiences. So the idea of Disney getting involved in the NFT space absolutely does not surprise me. I think they should be there. And I think there are a tremendous amount of beyond loyalty. Um, uh, I, the loyalty programs are great and Starbucks right. is doing it and so many other companies. I wanna see what Disney really does uh, in this space because you can open it up with, you know, really jumping into NFTs and, and utilizing the technology properly. It could be gamified. It could be, you know, skins. It could be characters. It could be, you know, I, I think they're prime for that collectibles kind of, uh, kind of environment. Absolutely. So, yeah. and, and also it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, like just like Apple, you and I have been talking about Apple quite a bit these days, Matt, and I want them in the space. And I think we're going to hit on that in, in, in just a few minutes, but uh, I, I want Disney in this space. I want to see what they're going to do, um, you know, as far as pushing the technology, but also opening, opening the doors for a lot of people. Um, and I think kids are, are um, there's a tremendous amount you can do with kids. Um, as far as uh, simple transactions and trading and, you know, learning or edutainment, as we used to call it at yeah. Nickelodeon, um, uh, edutainment uh, opportunities to kind of, you know, show kids how to save, uh, how to collect, how to, you know, create. I think uh, the, the, you know, the world is open, I think, for them. You know, what's funny, too, is that a lot of people, I think they're they're very critical because when some of these larger corporations take Apple, Disney, et cetera, maybe they are, maybe they aren't pure Web3 plays. Maybe there's a bit of a, a middle way or even Starbucks. But to me, I'm I'm not looking at that as much as just the excitement factor that we're legitimizing these technologies that we're legitimizing blockchain. I would rather see an incremental step into the space uh, rather than you know, you're not going to get everything at once. Right. And, and I would rather not see these companies fighting the progress of what this can be of, of digital ownership in a real sense. So to me, it's, it's a big step that they're even embracing. It almost makes me think a little bit about like what we saw with the music industry giving, uh, uh, you know, resistance to, uh, Napster and then what became ultimately Spotify and a very lucrative new way of consuming digital media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, just getting back to the point of like introductions to this world, I think a lot of like bigger players like Starbucks, like um, uh, Disney, they'll they'll have very 2.0 components to it. Um, and that's kind of where they'll start. 
but the idea introducing the idea of of wallets and collecting and you know the idea of nfts are going to be sprouted how much of the um, blockchain they're going to utilize for these types of transactions and or uh, experiences we don't know yet um, and frankly it's okay to push in through the 2.0 door i think it's totally fine just occurs to me too we'll have to get uh, our previous guest emily landon on this one for this job posting that they're putting out <laughs> yeah she'd be perfect yeah emily job summary uh they want a uh, full life cycle legal advice and support for global nft products they want uh due diligence for nft blockchain third-party marketplaces day-to-day -day legal advice for nft cryptocurrency related matters so i mean this sounds like they're kind of serious five to eight years minimum qualification so certainly interesting to see a big company like that entering the space Absolutely. Um, I think like we were saying, too, when you look at Apple, they're also making some moves in there and they've received some criticism for this. But I think uh, basically the, the headline, first of all, is basically that uh, Apple is now allowing NFTs on its app store. Um, but there is this sort of 30 percent app store fee that's continuing. So, OK, you can do <laughs> NFT sales, but Apple wants to take a cut. I think that's OK. I think that makes sense, you know. It's it's not a small cut to begin with. That is and true. I think that's, I mean, I think people, uh, especially developers and, and product uh, innovators and, you know, product developers are, you know, still feel a little sting <laughs> with 30% from, from Apple. Um, look, they're a premium, you know, uh, platform uh, for, for, for advertisers and, and, and apps. So... I, I get it, um, but then you mix that with NFTs and the world of blockchain, and blockchain is supposed to be a little bit more, a little bit more organic. And you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are just kind of like start for free, get involved. They're trying to build their audience. They don't have to build their audience. They can go straight to a monetary model, so um, or a monetization model. So. Um, <clears throat> That's their thing. And, you know, people, obviously, tons of people use their platform. And again, like I'll say it again, we've said it before. Um, I'm really happy, happy that Apple is opening the door for third party developers to kind of come into their, their world, their app world in their app store and, and, and develop for this. Um, it means they're paying attention. Um, and potentially they have uh, bigger plans on, on the horizon. So it's all it's all really good. I agree. I, I think, you know, I'm just reading a, a tweet here from uh, Tim Sweeney, CEO of Epic Games, took a pretty strong position there. It says, now Apple is killing all NFT app businesses it can't tax, crushing another nascent technology that could rival its grotesquely overpriced in-app payment service. Apple must be stopped. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see it that way. Do you? I, I think it's. I, I think there's. There's enough room for everyone. There's enough. I'm much happier to see the mass adoption, in this case, um, and moving well, in a path toward I, more. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna kind of follow along with that thought, Matt. It, the, I think that, um, you know, the idea of the walled garden. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, you do need kind of strict guidance on what. You know, to maintain quality, you need strict guidance uh, put in place and guidelines. As long as you follow it, you know, I'm not sure why anyone else, you know, everyone shouldn't be able to, to join. But the the idea of blockchain is, you know, they're going to it's going to be borderless. It's it already is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at it, uh, you know, as you know, NFTs and um, and the world of blockchain and dApps and all that good stuff. Uh, it, it's kind of starting out borderless. And I think once people realize that you're not tethered to a hardware device or even software or an OS, I think there are big changes on the horizon for, for some big, big players out there. Yeah, so. and I think you're right. It's a little bit like we've talked about before when we envision the metaverse. It's not that singular source, but you're jumping in and out of different ecosystems, different worlds. Maybe you do pay the 30% when you jump into Apple's world, but by no means are you locked into Apple's world. And if anything, if you're becoming familiar with the wallet, if you're becoming familiar with crypto and what that process is, uh, not unlike what we just did at the Solana store with our phantom wallets, uh, now you're now you're aware and now you can bounce around. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's just like the 
the metaverse conversation we've been having, um, I, I think blockchain and and the metaverse, the idea of the metaverse is really supposed to be borderless, right? So the idea of co-opting meta as a name, meta, the metaverse, is a little off-putting to some people. I'll, I'll echo what I've said before in pod, past podcasts. Uh, you know, go for it, Mark Zuckerberg. We want people to to kind of get involved. But I think it's supposed to be borderless, right? And it's the connective tissue that's really going to bring different platforms together and let people wander and explore. So, And mentioning uh, Meta, Facebook, they also made an announcement uh, that would be September 29th today. Uh, that they are also going to allow uh, basically um, people to connect their wallets and share digital collectibles. This is on the Instagram, Facebook platforms. So another instance of mass adoption, it kind of feels like it's just all snowballing at once. Like everyone is waking up at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you know, with all the, with Facebook and, you know, uh, uh, we'll get too much into it, but the idea of knowing your audience, right? So, there are games that are, you know, my kids, tons of kids. I just had uh, a few conversations about other people's kids playing Roblox and, and Minecraft, and they're already used to these kind of little microtransactions and, you know, tokenization of things and gamification of things and collecting. Um, you know, that's that's an instant starter for me, a starting point, jump off platform for for a lot of people. Uh, especially Gen Z coming up, right? So the, the you know, the idea of, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm wondering, and I, I, I don't have the answers or data in front of me, but like demographics, is it really that mm -hmm. important to Facebook users, right? But maybe Instagram, because that seems very Gen Z, right? Yeah, you know, it, well, Instagram, but I'm talking specifically about the, the Facebook platform, but Facebook, Instagram, yeah, I could see that um, really being interesting. Um, you know, having a, a storefront for yourself, not just a profile, uh, a little storefront, you can sell NFTs, you can sell other NFT wares. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting. And I, I was just concerned about the demographic. That's all. I see. I know this is a totally, this would be a whole different episode to unpack, but I just want to get your thoughts on it because I'm just, it's something I'm thinking about a lot. We've seen a lot of news now. Dolly 2 is open to, to the public. <laughs> so I was goofing yeah. around with that a little bit and playing with Mid Journey as well and just comparing the two. And I, I'm just going to be so interested to see like what happens with NFTs because we're going to have such an unbelievable avalanche of artwork now. I mean, you just put in four keywords and you can create variations of the same image, which is exactly what the NFT sales of today, at least, are. Um, I don't know if that if that helps NFTs or if it hurts it, because there's just going to be so much art that we're just swimming <laughs> in it to a point where we take it for granted. I, yeah, a couple of points, a couple of points on uh, Dali and, um, you know, Mid Journey, which it's addictive. I know you know it. <laughs> we've been collecting. You know, we've been doing things uh, with it uh, at, at here at Arc with the uh, the design team and the development team and everyone else in between, uh, having tons of fun. But it at the end of the day, it's just like everything else that we've we've learned and experienced since the fifties, sixties. You know, all through history, is it's a tool, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a scary tool for a lot of people right now because it's like, oh my God, um, I'm a photographer, I'm an illustrator, am I going to get eliminated? Well, we don't know the answer to that uh, point, you know, right now, but it is a tool. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's what will happen is I think in the, as it relates to the NFT world, you're going to have more of these, uh, how do I say, handcrafted artisans like the Mirakamis, um, mm. you know, and these modern pop artists who've developed names for themselves in in the standard art world, if you will, um, doing more collaborations, you know, with with the likes of Nike and Adidas and whoever else, um, and those are the ones that people have been really going after. Those are the ones that are kind of 
try, you know, trying, if not are, maintaining their value. <clears throat> Everything else has kind of fallen down by the wayside. Um, there's tons of stuff, you know. Um, Beeple had a great story, and he's just, you know, an average geographic designer, you know. Props. He, he made amazing uh, stuff every single day, and he shared his journey. So it was a little bit more than just the art itself. The story was even better. Well, Beeple uh, having, Beeple. I think, the but, record for the highest selling NFT, right? Well, it was around $60 million or something, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was $69 million, yeah. which is the highest dollar amount for a living artist. Incredible. Which is pretty amazing. But do you think of Beeple? Because yeah. I look at now, when we're looking at AI art, I'm seeing a lot of the, not to go too down this road, but I'm seeing Beeple-type work that people can generate with keywords. Do you think Beeple <laughs> embraces the technology or or do we almost want to see your work in progress now? Like we want a human certified NFT. We'll actually watch you. You buy the video of the artist making it just so that we know it was made by a person. I, you know, honestly, Matt, I think if we're starting at this point with the mid journeys that are, it's, it's so damn good. Like, yeah. It's so incredible. That's the thing. This is V1. This isn't like, what's mid journey V5? What's uh, Dolly 8? <laughs> it is what, what you'll see is artists will be artists. And uh, being an artist is being able to transform mediums, history, stories, writing. It's about transformation. So I, I don't think you'll see a lot of great artists. They'll spend time with the tools, but they'll also learn how to break it. And the, once they break it, they'll be able to tr truly transform and create something new. So you might, you know, it might be something that you integrate into a live installation or a rock, you know, like a, you know, a, a, a DJ set or a concert. Um, and maybe it, it's, it goes beyond and it's now you've created an avatar on the fly at a party in the metaverse, listening to dead mouse, you know, <laughs> DJ, uh, at this remote Island, you know, in the metaverse, like, and you're generating your own art and you can maybe project it, you know, on the walls or, or something who knows. I, I mean, there's a million things, but at the, the core end of it is. Artists will, will learn how to break it. They break things. Yeah. They, and then they reinvent, right? That's the whole idea. Um, I think this is meant to be broken and used in different ways. Uh, we, what, how they use it, just don't know. We don't know yet. But um, I think it's, 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 a, it's an amazing technology. It freaks me out quite a bit, but um, I like it. It's fun. What occurs to me what you just said, and I think this actually ties perfectly into what we're seeing with metaverse developments in terms of Facebook's efforts and the new uh, Cambria project headsets. Maybe the artists of of the next generation are not locked into a box. You know, we're kind of used to the idea that an image exists in a square, and that's what the artist created. But if it's if it takes seconds, literally seconds now, to prompt a beautiful image within a square, like you said, an artist has to rethink the paradigm. So maybe the paradigm is I'm going to generate an artificially intelligently generated universe for you to interact with. And that's what I create as an artist now. I no longer confine it to a small space, almost like yeah. digital installations, digital worlds, and you're directing its, its, its pathway. But maybe it lives organically somewhat. It kind of redevelops itself, but you set those core parameters. So you know, oh, this is a Beeple world, or this is uh, whoever it may be world. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine you know, going to, to your point, breaking out of the, the, the square, you know, NFT looking box. Yeah, it's very confined and, right now. Yeah. And rendering complete VR scenes that you can share with maybe a cinematographer or a special effects artist. And it's like, here's what I want. Here's what's going on. Or create these lush interactive story, you know, uh, storybooks. You know, um, I, I, I think, you know, the ideas are endless with this, but I think it could be even broken even further um, where you get lost in worlds. Um, I think that's what what people and I like the analogy of, you know, breaking out of that NFT cube and just kind of going beyond. And I think we're going to see that and we're going to see it pretty, 
pretty soon, I think, um, given the way that this is this whole environment is truly picking up speed. And even now we're seeing early signs of that convergence of physical digital. We've had some conversations about digitals where you buy a product uh, and, and then you own it. You own it in both the, the digital landscape and the real landscape. Uh, I've been doing some research and seeing some incredible technologies in terms of holographic displays for NFTs where, you know, it just looks like an actual object. So the lines are blurring. And, and I think it's almost like if you if you embrace these technologies, you can be at the forefront and you have a creative palette you never even imagined possible. But a lot of people might panic and, and recede and, and be scared. But it, if you embrace it, I think uh, what what new innovation hasn't terrified everyone at first? I'm sure motion pictures were terrifying in the beginning or talkies or the or color. Everyone thought, you know, these these innovations were fads and video games, you know, and yeah, now I mean, uh, look at the um, quite simple uh, illustration of this that most people overlook is the Macintosh. Mm -hmm. It took, you know, ruby lith and masking and razor blades and hand setting type out of one person's hand and put them into another person's hand or the next generation's hands. Um, I was, interestingly enough, I, I, I worked for newspapers when I was a kid and I used to have to hand cut text and I, I you know, it wasn't really a jump for me because I was already into computers and doing design work at that that age and that those years. But I got to see how things were passed on, you know, you know, hot, you know, setting hot type and uh, you know, using waxing machines to you know set images in and and, and masking. Um, it's just passed on, and and these tools, you know, they there's always they're always met with. Uh, a certain amount of resistance, but then they're adopted, you know, um, and they're not even tools yet. They're just fun things that developers are stretching their minds with um, and they're setting it free and let's see what happens. And I think that's kind of the more interesting way to approach these kind of artistic, techni technically artistic type of expressions like uh, Dolly and uh, the journey. As we uh, as we sort of talk about that and, and new spaces, that gets me thinking about our trip last week, uh, Solana Spaces, oh. which was pretty interesting. Uh, and th that was a really interesting take in terms of seeing uh, what Web3 might start looking like in the real world. And I have to give credit to Solana for building out a store like that. What a bold move in terms of really making it interactive. And I watched, I don't know, you were watching it too. I'm sure we were a little bit doing our own thing, but we saw people who are kind of experiencing NFTs, experiencing crypto for the first time. And you could just kind of see their light, that like those light bulbs click because in a store, someone can walk you through it and it just becomes real for them. It's no longer a concept. And, and you made a purchase and we both bought some cool stuff, but you made a purchase and it was pretty seamless once we got through the hump. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think Matt, you hit on a really good point because at one point, I was like, who is in the store? How crowded is it? And what's going on? Are people are actually engaging with wallets? Are they, what are they doing? And you know what? Uh, we, we walked through the mall. We found it. Um, beautiful storefront. Well curated. It reminded me of um, a little bit of like um, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, hipster meets kind of a cleaner refined tech store or Apple or something like that. It was a nice mix of kind of urban culture, NFTs, technology, and the place was kind of grooving. And it yeah. was, you know, um, there was a, a good amount of people there and they were all asking questions. They were engaged with either the kiosks, their wallets and or um, the staff who are incredibly knowledgeable. And it was a good experience. There's not tons of things to browse, but therein it's, it's, it's kind of the mousetrap that pulls people in and says, there's something new happening here, you know? And by rights, half that mall wouldn't even know what Solana is, but yet there are people wandering in or, or people journeying there like you and I, like, you know, we made a pilgrimage. We want to go see what's going right, on. It was kind of a pilgrimage. You know, it, it, it was good. It was a really good experience. Um, and as soon as you purchase, you're like, 
you know, we all trade, we swap, we buy NFTs, we do whatever we do with our wallets every day or whenever. But now when you, you actually experience it in the physical world and how darn easy it is um, to just scan a QR code and you're paid and the, the funds came out, you know, you paid X amount in Sol or Ethereum or whatever you're using. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty, it's, it's a good feeling. It's fun. And I, I re we recommend it for everyone. Go do it. It's kind of fun. Um, some cool NFTs on, on display, some really great artwork, and then some fun swag, uh, which we were laughing about, Matt, right? Uh, this is the only store that they get you to pay for their swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. It was it was all about the experience. So, right. No, but it was great stuff. And, and when you pay in crypto, this is in Hudson Yards for people not familiar in New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get 50% off. I was, I mean, we were kind of talking about it. That's a pretty good discount. I mean, you could just make that your new H and M. You just buy all your stuff <laughs> at the Solana store. They need to just yeah, build a whole department cool store stuff. now. They need to just, maybe that's the route, yeah. the route for Yeah, They had some fun pop art type of stuff, like the traditional logo kind of, uh, t-shirts and hoodies, <clears throat> excuse me. But, um, it was, uh, really, really kind of fun. Yeah, you can you know outfit your whole wardrobe there. Right? But I'm excited. I'm <laughs> excited to see, including it. socks. Yes, of, well, first starting with socks, but I'm always losing them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it got me thinking too. You know, I've been using uh, this is just my first pass, but I've been playing with the Step In app. We saw some Step In merch there, and that was cool to finally see it kind of in real life. Just the you realize that these things that feel exclusively digital when you when you walk into a store, it just it makes it more real. Maybe it's just an emotional thing more than anything. But, um, you know, I yeah, think, uh, uh yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm Matt. I'm also interested in, you know, kind of like, obviously one of the first things I said, I think I said probably in, in the video loop that's going to be playing over this one is, um, I'd like to see the phone or even just a mock-up. Yeah, know? I know. Uh, and the hardware is the hardware. I'm not getting too excited over that. Everything looks like a, uh, silver brick. Like relatively this. simple Android device, run of the mill. The, it'll have the stats, but it'll—it's what you expect, hopefully. Yeah. So I'm more interested in say, you know, even even nothing, you know, uh, partnering with blockchain uh, technologies to create a blockchain-enabled phone. What does that really mean? And how does the hardware? Does the hardware accelerate the experience, enhance it? Uh, you know, through cryptography, make it safer. Um, it's probably all of the above. If it is hardware enabled, if it's just software changes, a lot of people will do that. Apple will do that. Um, Apple will probably come up with a chip. Samsung will probably come up with a tiny chip that goes, it's blockchain enabled now. Um, it has hardware uh, encryption built into it or whatever it may be. It'll become that next advertising and marketing uh, stunt or whatever it is. But right. I, I'm really curious as to what the specs are on the phone um, and, and digging into that a little bit more. And I think it's the same thing that hopefully what we're going to see is the same thing we've seen when Apple releases new product categories. So when iPad came out, people didn't necessarily know what an iPad could do. And when you have a, a crypto phone of sorts, a blockchain phone, an NFT phone, a dApp store, a true dApp store on mobile, mm. people, we maybe think, well, what would you do on that? But that's kind of what we have yet to, the developers have to step up and, and show us. But I think they will once they have that playground. So, you know, they're laying yeah, the foundation and, and, for innovation here. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And then the, um, one of the things that the, which I'm actually more than the phone itself, is the marketplace and even the even the oh, dapp store sure. like oh I, uh, you know the dapp what store i'm really excited sure. about is the dapp store um and that's going to be really fun just to kind of like browse and kind of dream a little bit download a few few things see what happens um it's going to be really interesting um but how just like the the other artistic artistic um uh story we were telling before you know dialogue we had it's gonna it's really up to the creators, you know, how engaging those new NFTs are. And, you know, if it's just NFTs that are bored apes, guess what? I'm going to get bored. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, that was the intention you know, uh, there, the whole time. Yeah, 
there's 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 nothing wrong with board apes or any of these things or crypto punks or whatever you want to whatever you're buying these days um absolutely nothing wrong with it i think it's great but we haven't even scratched the surface of what nfts actually can do from a pure play gamification um and pure play utility um, we haven't seen it yet so that is the more exciting part. Well, something I think about a lot is uh, our phones, and I think Apple's been thinking about this a lot, and how they tether to our our fitness and our activities. And so when I've been playing with Stepin, for example, which is using Soul, uh, it's, a, it's a great and fun little thing to play with, but, but I feel like the next phase, it has to be more behind the scenes. What, but what I could see happening with a phone like the Solana Mobile is that maybe it automatically is step-in enabled. It's a part of your fitness apps. You're just walking. You're not even noticing that you've opened an app and you're earning coins, you're earning rewards, you're playing a game, almost games without intentionally opening and playing a game. You're just playing games because you're playing life. You're, you're earning tokens for various activities. Yeah, it's running in the background. Mm -hmm. um, it's not taking too much processor speed or using any other uh, external peripherals at the time. And you, you opt in. And maybe it's just recording your life, you know, or whatnot. Who knows? Um, who knows? Maybe there are streaming, you know, reality TV uh, NFTs. Who knows? Um, but it is interesting. And I, I do believe they they probably, I think Solana has a uh, some kind of partnership with Steppen. Yes. So, uh, yes, they do. So, so uh, I mean, it's, it's all it's, good. It's an exciting, exciting thing to discover. And certainly they have the step in gear for people going to the store. Oh, uh, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Jumping, jumping around a little bit. Let's, let's kind of do a quick check-in on Ethereum and Polygon, which I think is interesting because I've been, this is per Blockworks. I didn't know this until I saw this piece on, it was on LinkedIn. There's a spectacular number of projects being built on Polygon right now. And I know some people have had some frustrations or concerns about Ethereum and the merge and the switch, but this is an incredible list. I mean, I'm just looking right now, like you have DraftKings uh, building out its own uh, validator node with around 55 million Matic staked. The NFL is doing a partnership <laughs> through Ticketmaster, uh, working on the Polygon network, Adobe, <laughs> you know, uh, basically creating a new way of building NFTs without having to go through the technicalities of minting NFTs. Obviously, we've been talking about Starbucks and the ambitious Starbucks Odyssey, which is also powered by uh, Polygon or at least Polygon technology. Uh, Disney, which we just covered, is one of the major partners. I feel like, I mean, and the list goes on, Meta, Stripe, nothing, Reddit. It seems like they've positioned themselves as the ultimate uh, crypto company. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot think, of big names, uh, right? I think we're just seeing the tip tip of the iceberg. Um, and, and it's really exciting to see these names. One in particular that kind of one headline that caught my eye was Adobe and, you know, allowing artists to kind of spin up and, you know, not have to go through, as you put it, the minting or technical process. My one question to that is, you know, if you've ever spun up or created your own NFTs, you have to go through, you have to burn them, and, you know, mint, mint the NFTs. They're indelibly yours until you choose not to have it or sell it or trade it. Um, I'm not sure um, what the ownership of that is. And for our audiences is if you create an NFT and it says it's an NFT, um, but there's no, you know, keys to it or, you know, blockchain verification that's attached to your wallet, um, chances are it's not yours. So you have to, I think they have to kind of figure those those things out. Um, and maybe they mint it for you and they go through the process and then they give you the whatever it is. There's a transfer of, of, of that IP in a, in a lot of ways. Um, not sure yet, but it, it's interesting. And I think it's um, it's something they should totally kind of explore and have fun with. Um, because I, that's a prime audience, uh, you know, creators and developers and designers um, using those tools every day. And why not have something fun that they can kind of express themselves with? And perhaps, they, you know, they create, you know, your Behance portfolio becomes or can have a storefront to it. 
right. which is kind of cool. And I think, uh, it, I think it'll open up a whole new world and break almost like the traditional designers out of their traditional ways and get them thinking differently. And those are the people you want in this space. Uh, to our earlier point, breaking out of those, you know, the square NFT wall. How do you change it? These are the people. That's the audience they cater to. Um, you know, developers, designers, th these people are put on the earth to break the rules, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, and it's DraftKings, you know, oh my God, fantasy, fantasy unbelievable. Sports. The esports category, unbelievable potential there. That's to me, to me, that's low hanging fruit. Like that is completely, of course, of course they're going to do it. Online gambling and, and sports betting yeah. and, and fantasy, uh, uh, f fantasy, uh, you know, sports things. It's like, yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, and now you can start to trade, you know, players and teams as NFTs. I mean, you know, they could all be playing cards that can be richer experiences with, you know, meeting the, the players, you know, maybe there's special edition ones that are more enticing or collectible or whatnot. Um, yeah, to me, that's a no brainer. <laughs> well, we're creating like little economies within economies within economies. And so it's it's really I extraordinary when you think that this technology is it's it's call it what you will, uh, entrepreneurialism, capitalism, commerce. It's just it's that on steroids because everything that used to be just a thing you buy can now be a thing that splinters off into all kinds of tradable potential and it's resellable. And, and so looking at all these major companies, I, I just it's. A little bit, it floors you a little bit when you see how big this is. Yeah, the the, the other one that kind of caught my eye, Matt, was um, Mercedes Benz. Um, you know, car company, people love them. Uh, it's a brand that people really have an affinity for. Um, now, you know, just kind of going through the article a bit, um, you know, I'm curious as to what they're going to be doing, but it looks like they're going to be giving you access to, you know, all of your car data, your personal data w within it, um, which in turn will help you maybe control that data because people don't realize like your car actually has data in it. It, it is like, it is like a re receiver, if you will. Right. Uh, you're connected to satellites. You're connected to a lot of things. Um, you know, interactive, um, you know, how to guides or, you know, um, tutorials on how to use your new Mercedes-Benz, um, down to the basics of digital keys, you know, like literal digital keys or NFTs as physical keys, um, which there's NFT near field communication uh, already kind of does a lot of that stuff. But um, it'll be really interesting how they they break it out and make it really appealing um, to core, their, that core demographic of, of car buyers, for sure. I would love to see something where you have like, carpooling rewards points <laughs> you know if you have two people with phones they're in the, the same car and you're driving together you get some points like that i don't know just innovative <laughs> ways of thinking about rewarding people for where they go and how they go and you know how we use energy and what have you so. absolutely there's definitely um you know an environmental factor to this there's legal factors there's political factors um doing things honestly um opposed to Kind of an old world way of kind of right trust me yeah yeah like we want that that validated trust that comes with blockchain we want validated trust right so um it'll be interesting to see what see what happens there for sure and definitely interesting to see too how much when all of these different companies are building out their own platforms i, I think the big question uh for for people in the space is to, is to consider how much are we going to be able to bounce between these worlds how seamless is that process going to be and will we need a company or will we have something on chain that allows us to do that? Because, you know, like they say, uh, not your keys, not your coins, right? And I think there is a lot of truth to that. Are we just gonna be kind of doing the same game within different corporate environments or are we gonna have a way we can move between worlds? That's, I guess, has yet to be seen. Uh, I, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think the beginning will be a hybrid of 2.0 meets 3.0. And then once people realize that wow, um, this is like the internet, but like broken into a million pieces. 
Um, there's going to be an, there's going to be a need for a Google or a search type of functionality. There's going to be need for stores to bring things into focus. It's no different than the advent of the the internet. It was like, okay, we connected two universities together and we're sharing textbooks or knowledge, and then it, it you know it, it 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 blew up, and then you got search engines, you know, to help people kind of rein them in to rein people in. Um, what that looks like in the you know in the metaverse and and in um, uh, uh, you know blockchain in general, it, it it's an interesting it's a very interesting question. How will people find things in a decentralized uh, world, if you will? Um, so uh, there's you know with the advent of one technology spawns so many other services and so many other um, kind of products that that complement it do you think we land on one when we when we move between these worlds do you think we land on a sort of a culture where we have one identity that stays more or less consistent or do you think people will almost mutate into different identities based on the environments they're in i i, I it seems to me i could almost see it going either way where there's just one personality your avatar yourself which makes a lot of sense, but I could also see a very uh, variation on it where you're, yeah. you're different I mean, people depends on where you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, personally, I think it'll be a hybrid. Um, it'll be a choice. I think, you know, with the advent of controlling your identity and your data more within the blockchain Web3 world, uh, will come more choices and actually more responsibility, right? Because now you're the custodian of... of not only your avatars and gaming type of uh, 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 assets, you're also responsible perhaps for your blockchain car insurance, um, your health care perhaps. You have more control over it and there's more freedom. Subsequently, it's cheaper, but you are more of a custodian to it. So, and then, you know, from a psychological standpoint, I think there are people on the well, I don't think, I know, people shift gears. We're in the game mode, you know, I, I, I'm Thor 566, <laughs> and, you know, uh, I've got massive biceps and, you know, ripped abs and uh, the coolest outfit you even go to the gym in real seen. life as well? <laughs> and then, yeah, then I'm like a scrawny guy, <laughs> whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, not too scrawny, but um, so people... You know, depending on who you talk to, like absolutely never use my my real identity. Um, we're meeting. I, we're seeing that more and more with even our clients. That development team is like, you know, Pink Bunny, Pink Bunny five twenty six is your lead engineer. He and you don't know who known. Pink Bunny is. That's just it, who they it, are. It, exactly right. And the same is for entertainment and whatever else or uh, immersive environments or gaming in, in general, but um, people sometimes just don't want to be known and they just want to have a good time without any other social pressures or stigmas or anything else. And they just want to live their life and do whatever they want to do in these virtual worlds. Uh, is it and, realistic? And non-virtual worlds. Is it realistic that as the space grows, people are going to be able to retain the same kind of privacy though? Is that something we'll, I mean, hopefully, I, I think there probably are some benefits to that, but do you think that's going to become more challenging? In the blockchain space? Mm -hmm. I think it'll just be exponentially easier. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could, I mean, theoretically, um, you know, there's some debates about this, and it's like blockchain, is it completely, anon you know, are you completely autonomous or anonymous? Um, if you want to be, yeah, I mean, you can do it. The only thing people can track through ledger is that a transaction that happened. That's kind of and what I mean. Cause we can kind of deduct who you are by transactions, right? Like in the same way that credit companies monitor you, but they don't see that it was Matt Sky or Rich Pasqua, uh, behind that purchase. So they know where it is and I'm sure the government will figure out, you know, how to extract some of that data. But um, and some of that data is uh, relevant to the contract that is set up. So your name, your address right. is 
exposed to certain parties, but not everyone. So there's there's all different types of stipulations and details that um, each individual product product on the blockchain will have to figure out for themselves, and people will have to figure out what they're willing to give away. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge proponent of the idea of data as currency. So this is finally going to come to life. I've been talking about this 15, 20 years now. The idea that people and their data, who owns your data right now? Apple, Samsung, Google, Facebook, certainly. Um, and they, they go off and do whatever they do with it. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about too much about that. <laughs> but they do, you know, there are good actors and bad actors, obviously. Um, but the day is coming where we, our, our data is so valuable. First, you know, first party data is hyper valuable to advertisers. And right. we'll be able to now, just like YouTube, you got a thousand followers and you got some good leads and good, uh, good run times on your videos. You are now monetized. You're making money because you're supplying content. Same thing with personal data. That's fascinating. And I can't wait to the tables flip. Well, I especially can't wait to take a small piece of advertising that comes at us to be paid to pay attention, to be paid to say, hey, listen, you were gonna advertise to you, but here's a little reward for doing it. And I think in exactly. some ways you get it because you get the services, but taking it to another, maybe a deeper level. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you're paying for the article you're reading. You're paying for the game you're playing. You're paying for a lot of things, you know? And that's okay, we've become accustomed to it. But now I think and it, it's not a transaction, it's just taken. So there are steps uh, with the GDPR and a whole bunch of other things with with um, first first party data that's you know kind of bring a lot of this stuff to to almost a grinding halt in, in a certain way. Um, but it'll be interesting how we we become like the, not only the consumers but the the traders too, you know, and the sellers of content. So I think now it's you know potentially become more of a two-way street, and it's a little bit fair, and I think you'll get a lot more for your buck. We work with a lot of different or brands. Your <laughs> we work with a lot of different brands, and do you have any advice for companies rethinking how they advertise in Web3, like what they should be on the lookout for? Because the, the game is changing for sure. It's not. I don't think it's gonna look the way it does today where you just uh, maybe have the same type of targeting. It has to be a little different, right? Yeah, and I think that's getting people um, involved in your products or your experiences, um, really serving up something that people will go, you know what, that was so cool. Uh, I'm going to give a little my, a little bit of my data away, or uh, I'm going to contribute in this way, or I don't mind the entry fee. Right. You know, um, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, and it'll be a little bit more of that bartering and back and forth type of uh, scenario. I guess that's a good point. It's community building at its core. You're, you're bringing people into your, your ecosystem or your, your, your culture, basically, your, your entire offering. Yeah, and it'll be almost like little micro payments, maybe. And some of them will be very seamless and transparent. Some of them, you know, um, depending on the severity of them or the level, will be a little more interactive and more of a, an exchange, if you will. Um, but I think we're going to see end users probably get better products, digital products and services, and participate in the exchange, meaning the end user is the DSP, right? Mm -hmm. You are the actual ad server because you're putting it on a schedule you're as an end user telling it what I'm allowing into the free world or a specific brand. So it's going to be really interesting um, and, and super challenging how to manage it and create the right experiences around it. Um, fascinating though. Uh, it blows me away. And I, I, it's, it's finally, that whole idea is finally starting to come, 
come to fruition, I think. You're right. And it seems subtle at first, but it's not, it's not subtle at all. It's a very significant shift, even though when you just say it casually, it sounds like, oh, okay, I own it. They own it. Who cares? But there's a lot of implications when that, when that flip starts to take yeah. place. Um, Absolutely. Just want to jump on one last story before we sort of wrap up today. Uh, you know, this is uh, Christie's, uh, Christie's 3.0. So they have uh, been moving on chain. So this is per uh, Cointelegraph. I've got an article here. Uh, Christie's yeah. moves on chain with NFT auction platform on Ethereum. It says the new marketplace allows the prestigious auction house to carry out auctions and sales on the Ethereum blockchain. Quote from start to finish. Here's a tweet from them. Uh, the first ever global auction house to fully to host fully on chain sales. Introducing Christie's 3.0. Very dramatic. Um, built from the ground up together with three leading companies in the Web3 community, and they list uh, Manifold, XYZ, Chainalysis, and Spatial XR. Uh, this seems significant in a lot of ways, I think, right? That you would be able to, this, these are auctions fully on chain, right? This is, there's no more, I don't know how they operate as an intermediary in this, in this scenario, but that seems significant to me. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I actually, I'd like to talk, maybe talk a little bit about the historical end of, the Christie's of the worlds and and these kind of these auction houses and curators uh, of auctions uh, that have these amazing tremendous reputations uh, amongst the fine art you know or precious art worlds it, it, at that too um, they've been at this for a lot longer than you could even imagine. Some of the, I mean, uh, Cody Marks Bailey, one of our clients for the Andromeda Protocol, was working with a very large auction house way back in the day to validate actually legitimacy, the legitimacy of priceless pieces of art, sculptures. That means a professional would actually validate it and then it's validated on, on the blockchain. It's an indelible, it's indelible. Um, uh, and it becomes almost the starting point for Christie's and, and a lot of other auction houses. It becomes the um, certificate of authenticity, right? right? It becomes your record that this has been, you know, validated and checked out and photographed the right way and done, you know, all of the proper things that are done. And it's cataloged, um, which could become perhaps your NFT of your art or whatever it may be, can be chronicled in a bigger collection or curated, you know? Um, so uh, th they've been at it for a while, uh, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do as far as NFTs. Um, you know, is it... Uh, beyond because they've, they're already doing this. Um, one of my friends, Josh Davis, was involved in um, a Christie's auction, and um, you know they're already doing these online auctions for for digital art. Well, they had the record uh, so, sixty nine point three million Christie's did. That was every day's from yeah. people. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think what is what'll happen is it'll actually it'll actually become a legit Christie's online auction house. Um, some of these auctions will be just pure play digital NFTs, digital art, and or a combination of real world art that people can, can bid on with an accompanying NFT. That to me is the kind of like the, the low hanging fruit there, um, the kind of the basics of what they're probably going to do and that they're already doing it. Um, but historically, a lot of these, a lot of these auction houses have been in this world already. Um, so I think they're poised to do quite well. Um, you know, I'm not sure about sales, but I think as far as pushing out products that will really interest um, not just high roller art collectors, but everyday art collectors as right. well. So I think there's, you know, it's almost like brand dating, you know, but Christie's and technology dating. It's an interesting combination, you know. Um, I think they'll do quite well. It says Sotheby's has taken a similar interest in Web3 and NFTs, launching its own metaverse. Uh, that, And you're right, that was in October of 2021. Uh, and so having its share of high-priced NFT sales also. So I guess this is almost like the new point of entry, right? If you want to 
do auctions in the 21st century, you should have blockchain uh, validating that process along the way, if I'm right. Yeah. Yeah, you validate the sales, then you can go into the details of the actual physical art uh, and everything in between. So it's I think exciting. it's a no brainer. Um, and um, like I said, they've been been in this space for a while and they're, they're I think they're poised to push it even further. I hope they do. When you say you've seen this happening for a while, how far back do you mean? Um, auction houses, um, probably five or six years. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot more than people realize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically at the dawn of NFTs, meaning no one knew what an NFT was, but the creators, uh, because we know them, <laughs> the creators of the, uh, um, ERC 721 protocol NFTs were working with the first thing their minds went to is let's validate art. Right. And then they tag team and it worked and actually became kind of the jumping off point for modern, the modern NFT as we know it. It's incredible and incredible to be a part of that, seeing it yeah. like you did in, in, in real time before yeah, anybody was, even knew what it was. It was kind of, kind of special to kind of, hear about it and like, wow, that's amazing. Have your mind blown at a conference or speaking with some of these folks and then forgetting about it for a while and then going, oh my gosh, that's what they were working on. Um, and uh, actually see it come to life in, in large scale Christie's auctions to small scale open sea. You know, when you, really when you go back five years, Rich, do you feel the space has moved faster or slower than you would have expected at that time? Do you feel like they're, or we're right about on pace? Um, well, uh, I, I kind of jumped, jumped in and I, I made the mental mind shift many, many years ago. So I was like freaking out. <laughs> You're ready My to head go. Was, well, your, your, your head spins with ideas and you want to create products and you want to try this, and you want to try that. But um, I think in, in the terms of like, if our audience is, you, know, you probably know about Morse law, like every mm -hmm. microchip or processor kind of exponentially gets faster and faster, the production end if it gets cheaper and faster. Yeah. Um, I think if you were to look at the, grand scheme of things, because I look at it, you know, 2008 Satoshi and or the cypherpunks created Bitcoin. And then it's like, wow, it's like the new digital gold. And that's all it really did. You could just buy it up, save it, trade it, make money on it. Then, you know, around two, you know, 2016, 17, that's when I started to see things really butt up. People were talking about things more. They were talking about deeper technology implications, more uh, implications around utility and entertainment and everything else like that. That's when I think the dialogue started to happen. In my eyes, it couldn't, it could have happened a little faster. Um, <laughs> there was a little slump there, right? Like it feels like there was but, the enthusiasm and that kind of came, but it's coming back and fast. It's coming right back and this is i think 2023 24 will be it won't trickle in it will be a tsunami the exact same thing happened with dot coms too right i mean you had sort of all the dot coms and then the dot bombs and then when you look at web 2 just this acceleration and there is no turning back from that so it's yeah. almost like the same cycle happening over and over again all the way into whatever web 4 looks like and we'll have to do web four on back. Whatever that is. <laughs> That's our it's next in the podcast. Ether. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no hardware or software. It just, it just exists. It just exists um, in a purely theoretical space. Yeah. I mean, yes. look, look, I, I, I you know, it, it is moving fast. It, it really, it actually is moving pretty fast. Um, like I said, once you wrap your head around it, you know, you're like, I want it to go. Uh, I want it. I want this. I want that. I want to try this your head starts to go there before the technology. And that's been what's been happening with me is, you know, uh, as a sci-fi fan, you know, my whole life, I, I, w I want the floating hoverboard. I want the flying car. You know, um, uh, we're going to see that, of course, but the, the, the 
blockchain is uh, and Web three is just kind of morphing into this really kind of interesting amorphic growing blob that <laughs> that is. Uh, <laughs> I like that's a new definition for it, but it's actually yeah, pretty accurate. Uh, but yeah, a very um, unsophisticated and un, un, non technical term. Um, <laughs> the amorphous blob of Web three. Yeah, it, it is, and I use blob because you know as it's rolling forward, it's kind of pulling companies in, it's pulling people in, it's allowing people to think a little bit differently, um, the way we interact with each other, both you know uh, online and in, in society in general, is going to change, you know. And once you kind of start to understand that, um, it's pretty exciting, and you want it to speed up, right? But it's going to move. It's going to exponentially get faster. Um, that's kind of the Morse law thinking behind it. Something but, that's um, ex extremely unique to me, and this is different than the previous computer and technological revolutions, is that you're seeing at the highest level, just like all the companies we reviewed today, from Disney to Apple to Facebook and, and the DraftKings, Mercedes, et cetera, you're seeing the enthusiasm from all the corporations before the technology has fully emerged. And that's super interesting because in almost all these other iterations, it was the other way around. You saw all the underground folks into it, building it out, you know, in their garage, they're building the internet, you know, it's operating at a university level and what have you. And then finally, the final cap was when it was mature enough, corporations started to dive in. And here, Web3 is in its absolute infancy. No one even really, it is the amorphous blob, like you said. We don't fully know what it is. And yet companies are, you know, kudos to them. They're diving in headfirst and saying, we don't know what this is yet, but we're going to experiment with it. We're going to play with it. Um, yeah. Um, and it is an experiment for all of these brands, all of these companies. You could be spending tons of money for, for not. But um, I think it's been it's proving itself that it does make the idea of, of transacting faster, cheaper, and more secure. Um, Web two, you know, to your point, when did it all pop off? It 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 jumped off, and gained tremendous amount of uh, of momentum when people started making money online. Yeah, that's when it jumped off. It wasn't, you know, my, you know, in 1995, my dinky, you know, design. Uh, web one uh, static HTML website portfolio website. Nope, it's when people started making money and selling product and services. Um, and that's, I think people kind of, one, understand that it's gonna happen, but in a much different way. Um, big companies, governments, everyone and storefronts, everyone in between understands that. Now you couple that with a bit more of a secure environment and, and trusted connections, uh, you're able to operate a, a lot faster and, and more securely. And I think they understand it. Um, big companies will kind of like Apple dip their toes in. Um, Apple is the master of waiting to see what the industry does and re-engineers it and, and creates a, a, a in most cases, a better experience uh, or customer experience or journey through, uh, through design and, uh, um, you know, creativity and design. Masterful polishing of, of exactly. Yeah, they, polishing. they take the blob and make it into a solid object. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, most, <laughs> most of, um, Apple's innovations or what they call innovations are, um, polished up Android, Google, um, now I can put in with their sport watch, their, uh, what is it called? The, uh, iPhone, uh, the phone, Apple phone extreme or something like that. Now they're going after garments of the world who have been doing it for 30 years, you know? Um, but they do it well. Apple does it well. I mean, there's nothing to complain about there. Um, and if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's all good. And, um, some really interesting changes gonna it's gonna happen so rich uh, i think we always kind of wrap up every episode in this way uh 
if there's some major takeaways, I think particularly for marketers, because when we're looking at these big companies, people in marketing and people in the branding space, what would you say are like two of the major takeaways you'd hope that they walk away with? Um, you know, just based on our salon experience, um, that was really fun. That was really cool. Um, you know, uh, I'll say I'm probably going to repeat myself, but NFTs are not, uh, you know, little square cubed graphics that you're buying on OpenSea or wherever else, Legend or wherever you're buying your art. Um, they're a lot deeper than that. There's a lot more potential to it. You got to see beyond it. You got to get to know the, the technology and go for it. Um, and these digital experiences can be really satisfying, actually, these physical purchase purchases um, with this different type of currency that you're using. Um, it's kind of fun to play in that world. Um, people are going to want it. The next generation is definitely going to want it. They're, they're already there. My mm -hmm. kids are already, you know, yeah, dad, big deal. Um, you know, even to, to, to my kids, which I guess they're Gen Z now. Um, well, they I are can't Gen keep Z. track of the gens anymore. Yeah, I, I can't really. Uh, it, it's almost like, yeah, big deal. Dad, been doing that for a while. Micropayments, <laughs> right. Roblox, Robux, you know, like they've already been there. They're already doing it. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what the next generation actually transforms this into. Um, and, and just because we're not that age and just because you're not some, you know, uh, exotic developer, you know, a, a developer, you know, coding in a exotic language doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that people won't want it. Um, so just think outside of the box um, and dive in and learn a little bit more. That's it. It's a great point to wrap things up on. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. This has been Web3 Unpacked with uh, myself and, of course, Rich Pasqua, CEO Thank of you. ARC. And you can always learn more about us at arctai.com. And be sure to check us out on Discord. We'll, of course, provide those links. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.